Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. This is the Build Your Network Podcast, episode 398. Hey, this is John O'Bacon, author of People Powered. And if you want to learn how to successfully build high-quality communities, you should be listening to the Build Your Network Podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with a buddy of mine, Jono Bacon. Jono is a leading community and collaboration speaker, author, and podcaster. He is the founder of Jono Bacon Consulting, which provides community strategy and execution workflow and other services for businesses. He is the author of People Powered, How Communities Can Supercharge Your Business Brand and Teams Community, a columnist for Forbes and opensource.com, founder of the Community Leadership Summit, founder of Conversations with Bacon and co-founder of Bad Voltage. So many things, so many uh, uh, items to list off in the resume. And I, I know this is going to be an awesome conversation because everything that he talks about is everything that we talk about here on the show. But first, really quickly, guys, if you are a six or seven figure business owner or entrepreneur, solopreneur, real estate investor, whatever it is, and you know the power of podcasting, you know that it can help you build better relationships with your clients, better relationships with your ideal prospects, um, uh, better relationships with the leading authorities in your industry to build your own credibility, your own niche, to get you book deals, to get you on stages. Like the power that podcasting has is, is limitless. And if you know that, but you just don't have the time to go do it yourself, then uh, check out what, my, what me and my team over at World Class Media can do for you 
we create done for you podcasts for busy people that are just too busy to make it happen on their own. So if that's something that you or your team may be interested in, then head over to travischapel.com, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com slash make my podcast. And uh, we'll have a quick chat, see if we might be a good fit for each other. Jono, what's up, man? Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Hey, Travis, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Of course. So I want to get into some of this community building strategies and yeah. you are helping out a lot of people with these days. Uh, but first, uh, let's go back and build a little bit of context for mm. listeners because I always find it interesting. And, and if you listen to the show, you hear me say this a lot, but uh, I do. I, I genuinely find it interesting. People end up in career paths like the one that you've chosen because <laughs> it's not necessarily a traditional thing, right? Like your no. career counselor in high school doesn't walk you through the options and, and like <laughs> offer this as an option, right? So right. talk to me about how you got involved in all this. Let's like rewind back to junior high right. school, John. What were you up to back then? Oh, it was it was uh, a pretty random route by all stretches. Uh, the... I wasn't a particularly good student at school. I, uh, very average grades, mainly C's and D's. Um, there's, there's two years in between um, your core education in the UK and then when you go to university okay. um, called your A-levels. And I got two D's and E and an N. And N is pretty much you spelled your name wrong on the exam paper. Um, so I just didn't have a lot of points for going to university. And I talked my way into university. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was really conflicted between trying to make it work in a rock band because I'm a big kind of music and been playing music for years yeah. or trying to get technology um but the technology industry felt very inaccessible to me coming from my background um but i basically ended up going to university and um, so, sorry sorry to interrupt you mean coming from your background as in you didn't do well in school or something else well it's it's one element was it was less the grades i think um it was more that i just never grew up around tech people you know i'm from rural northern england i was raised in the south of england so it wasn't something i really knew a lot about i used to buy for example a, a newspaper in the uk called computer weekly okay. and there'd be these jobs ads in there and it would be all enterprise this and enterprise that and the, it felt very buzzworthy and very inaccessible to me so i was a little conflicted as a kid when it came to this but i felt like technology was a much more responsible decision than being a rock star <laughs> so <laughs> um you know so I went to university and i got introduced by my brother into this technology called open source which is where people come together to build technology um them, you know together as a group and it powers now it powers you know the cloud and the internet and devices and all the rest of it it's right. it's really changed how, how technology works and when i first learned about open source what fascinated me was not so much the technology it was more this notion of people getting together to build things so i was instantly attracted to this uh, this this collaboration uh, piece of it but I'd never heard of the term community leadership or management or strategy or anything like that. Yeah. So I just got interested and involved in open source and started coordinating communities in, in the UK. And, uh, and then when I finished university, I actually went to a, a conference in London and got drunk in a bar with these two guys who were setting up a magazine about open source back in the early days called Linux Format. Okay. And I said, if I write an article for you, will you publish it? And they said, sure, but if it's really bad, we're not going to even touch it with a barge pole, which seemed like a reasonable <laughs> request. Yeah. Uh, and so I ended up just writing magazine articles. I was kind of a pseudo journalist in, when I started out because everybody was panicking about getting jobs. And I thought, I'll just keep writing articles. And I wrote an article about an organization called Open Advantage, which was basically helping people to use open source for kind of free consulting for people whose jobs were going to China in manufacturing and they needed to get more of an information-based role. And that just led you know, from there to a company called Canonical and then to GitHub and then to, then to XPRIZE and then to GitHub. And all the time, I was always really excited about working with people in different companies around community and became kind of a, an area of special expertise for me because I was particularly interested in it. So 
companies started reaching out and saying, how do I do this uh, for my organization? And that's when I started consulting really casually on the side uh, because I wrote a book called The Art of Community and people would say, how do I implement this in my business? Um, How long ago was this? This was The Art of Community came out in 2009. Uh, and I moved to the U.S. in 2008. And actually, the, the very first client I ever had was Deutsche Bank, of all people. Oh, really? And they said, you know, we bought this, uh, we bought your book, and we want to figure out how to implement it into the business. I had no idea how consultants worked. I had no idea what to charge. I had no idea what, what, what to do. And I, but I thought, ah, you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and just started doing it. And then I went full-time as a consultant four years ago when I basically decided, I want to be in complete control of my own destiny. Um, I don't want to uh, work in a business. I want. I like the idea of building my own business, about shaping it, about refining every element of this and the client experience. And yeah, and I'm really happy. And it's been it's been a good ride so far. How did you find that people got a hold of your book? It's a good question, and people have asked me that before. I don't really know. It, uh, people who have shared how they got the book, it was usually through a referral. It was, you know, a friend of theirs said, you should go and read this book by this kind of balding English guy. But then often uh, the book would be kind of given out at conferences. There'd be reviews of it online. What's interesting is with The Art of Community, I never really particularly pushed it very hard. I didn't do a huge amount of promotion around it because uh, okay. I was so busy at the time. Why, why, just out of curiosity, why did you write it if you didn't feel like you could really put it out? Well, the reason why I wrote it was because I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, I was working for a company called Canonical and we were building a community called Ubuntu, which was a very large technology community ar- around this operating system. Okay. Um, and Ubuntu was, was, was really growing significantly. We had millions of users, hundreds of thousands of contributors to the project. And I came to this realization this community thing is going to change how we do things mm. moving forward. I think it's going to change the relationship with people and businesses, um, activists and all the rest of it. So I decided I'm going to write a book. I'm going to organize a conference and I'm going to do some bits of consulting on the side to learn about how this works outside of tech, which was my primary expertise. Mm. Now at this point I'd already written two books previously. So I knew a little bit about the publishing process. So I wrote the art of community and the reason why I wrote that book was because there wasn't really anything out there, a thesis of how to do it. And I say very clearly at the beginning of the art community, I'm not saying this is the only way to do this. This is what I've done and what I found has worked well. Yeah. But, but, and I, my, my goal was to kind of write the, the quote unquote, the career book, the, um, this will be the defining work that will help to guide this industry moving forward, this new industry. Um, and I don't think it, I think it accomplished the fact that like a lot of people reference the art of communities, the book that really helped them out, but it's a very, very practical kind of like hands-on guide for practitioners. If you're an entrepreneur or an executive, you don't really know a lot about this kind of stuff. You'll be drowned out in minutes with the art of community. There's just too much detail in that. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote people powered was a more general purpose business book that provides the intro, the, the higher level framework, and then how do you integrate it into a business? But what I learned from this was from people reading it was all of the feedback I got from it. Like, well, I've found this other approach works, or I don't think this approach that you use really works for me. It was a really, really valuable experience, just in, not just in terms of the awareness of the work that I do, but f- organizing your thoughts and putting them down and then people reacting to those thoughts in a structured way. Sure, sure. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Um, what, did you go self-publishing or traditional publishing? That was through. That was published through a company called O'Reilly that write a lot of kind of tech books. Certainly okay. did back then. They they have fewer books now. They're more on the kind of uh, knowledge learning, uh, online learning kind of thing now. Um, but the Art of Community was not a typical O'Reilly book because it was again more about this kind of people and collaboration element to it. Um, and uh, but I, I already had a good relationship with with O'Reilly, so the the act of putting the proposal together and getting it through was relatively straightforward. It was a way different deal for the business press with People Power, for example. Different, yeah, you, whole different world. Do you have a um, do you have a suggestion for people if they're like just getting started in that space and they want to write a book or something like that? Do you have a suggestion on which route they should go? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's different types of press. Um, so, for example, the, the technical press, you write a book and it comes out a couple of months later, uh, and that's how it works. But with the business press, such as when I wrote People Powered, they operate in much longer timelines. You know, I, for example, signed the contract for People Powered a year before it came out. Um, there was gotcha. an eight-month editing process. So I think if you're looking to attract a very broad audience uh, and more of a business audience, go the business press route. But you, you're going to need an agent. And you're going to need a really comprehensive, strong proposal. Like when I did mine, my proposal ended up being 35 pages. And we spent oh, wow. six months making the proposal, my agent and I. But with the tech press or with other publishers, it can sometimes be a three or four page proposal. So mm. I just say get started. Have a good idea for what you want to talk about. But really sit down and structure your thoughts into a set of chapters and an overview of a set of chapters. You do not need to write the book first. You need to come up with a proposal first and a compelling audience definition of who, who it's designed for and just have a go, you know? Well, cool. Yeah. Just, just a quick aside for those authors in the audience. Um, so let's get back into the story here. You're doing a lot of consulting. You're working with a lot of really amazing companies. Do any of those companies really stick out in your head as, as being like the most fun that you had or maybe like the best company culture or anything like that? 
and how did that play into your ability to help those companies? That's a great question. Um, it's a great question, Travis. I mean, there's definitely some that really stick out. I mean, a good example is there's a, a company in Asia called the Executive Center, and they're kind of a little like a really kind of refined version of WeWork. They have these co-working spaces all over the place, but they're kind of designed for executives and leaders. Okay. Um, and that was an interesting project because they have two over 200 centers across Asia, so multiple different languages, mul multiple geographies. We built a member community for their, for their members, um, and there was something like 15 or 20 community managers working on that from different countries. And it was a real, uh, a, a lot of work to kind of pull it together, but there was so much passion there. Um, in building out that community and the relationship that they forged with their with their with their members, and the and the um, the CEO Paul was very clear in this. He said, "You know, this is fundamental to our success. The the buildings is one piece, but it's the member experience is what's critical here." And that was a really fun new project to kind of dig into. I've really enjoyed as well working on some of the internal communities. So, for example, working with Santander and Deutsche Bank and how they build powerful internal communities because it's a different yeah. set of it's a different set of dynamics you know because people are at work sure. um, and they've got things to work on in volunteer communities people often take time out of their spare time to work to contribute to them um, so sometimes you'd expect you know a banking internal banking community might be a bit dry and boring but there's a lot of passion there again internally around and around how you do that the CEO of Santander in Spain is a good example of this is this guy called uh, Juan is just incredibly passionate about a very dynamic environment. But there's been lots of them, like HackerOne, which is a security company. They've got over 20,000 um, hackers who work together to hack people's systems wow. um, to make people more secure. And, you know, hackers, for example, are very uh, focused on status and a bit of ego. Uh, so that was, again, a different kind of community. So there's lots and lots of these different stories. And it's just been really fun figuring out the, the consistent pieces that flow through these communities, but also how they differ. Yeah, so many challenges there and so many different types of companies that you're working with. So now in your consulting practice, talk to me about like what you do with a client. Like what if a client, a company comes to you and they're like, hey, help us do this. We're, this is not something that's our strong suit. So typically, I usually start out with most of my clients with a, with a program that I've designed uh, that I call the complete program. And essentially what we do is the output of it is a complete, not just a community strategy of what you what we're going to build that will help to accomplish your business goals and what you want to accomplish in your community, but it goes right down to the tactics. So I'm not talking about some PowerPoint deck that a lot of cons yeah, consultants yeah. will knock out. To me, I want to start with the value and the mission of the community and the audiences that you're gonna that you want to attract, um, and then to create a set of objectives, a set of annual objectives, and then to convert those right down into the individual tactics, like the day-to-day, -day, the infrastructure, the social media networks, the content, the event strategy that you've got, all the details. So there's a genealogy from the individual tactic and who it's signed to and which quarter it's set to and what success looks like for that tactic. There's a genealogy right up to the value that you want to create. So that's essentially what I help them to, to produce as one of the deliverables. But then the other element is my goal, and this sounds like a bit of a weird thing to say and a bit of a cliche, my goal is to become irrelevant to my clients, mm. is to help them to shape a really powerful strategy, but then also to provide the training to their team so they've got the skills to be able to execute it effectively. Sure. And, I, and I usually start with that program, and that's like a fixed program. It's a set amount of money. It usually takes us about two and a half to three months to do. 
Um, that helps us to get to know each other, a concrete set of deliverables. But then a significant number of my clients then say, well, we want this guy on retainer. So if they've got questions as they're delivering this work and executing it, I'm around to help where they need it. Okay, so this one has been a long time coming, and I'm excited to announce the launch of my new company, World Class Media. I've been doing podcast coaching and consulting for individuals and businesses for the last couple of years, and over the last few months, I just haven't been able to keep up with the requests. So in order to serve more people, I've decided to stop taking on coaching clients and start an agency that creates a done-for-you podcasting solution, as well as monthly production and repurposing services. So if you are a business owner, coach, consultant, entrepreneur, real estate investor, whatever it may be, then a podcast should be the most powerful business development tool in your arsenal. Imagine having something that is constantly engaging your ideal client, even when you're sleeping, or that allows you to connect with the top people in your industry to build your network and establish credibility, or that allows you to help listeners that are currently outside of your sphere of influence, or that helps you get book deals or speak on more stages or create content once that we can repurpose and distribute across all the platforms for you. That is the power of a world-class podcast that's done the right way. So if you're interested in starting a show, but you just don't have the time, the resources, or desire to figure out all the tech stuff, the hosting, the equipment, the platforms, the production, then you just focus on what you do best, which is serving your clients and running your business. And then let my team focus on what we do best, which is creating world-class chart-topping podcasts. Let's at least hop on a call and chat about it because I'm fairly picky with the people that I work with. And I only work with people who I genuinely think are going to be able to absolutely crush it with a new show. So head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. That's travischapel.com slash make my podcast. And we'll chat real soon. How do you go about finding your clients? I don't, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> they find you, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I've been very fortunate here, and this kind of gets to the networking side of things, that you know, I've spent years working, especially in technology and open source, and you know, one thing leads to another. So I'll do some work with a client, and then somebody else will say, hey, um, you know, this person that you work with referred us because we want to build a community, or someone will say, hey, I read one of your books, or I, I have a lot of social media that goes out, a lot of content that I produce. I write for Forbes. I wrote a piece for Harvard Business Review with a friend of mine, Jeff Busgang. So I, people tend to just find me in, in these different ways. I, I've never done marketing since okay. I started consulting. Wow. The networking piece is probably the most common element is yes. someone who I know or someone who they know says, hey, go and talk to Jono. He'll be able to help you out. Yeah. So let's get into that a little bit more tactically then, um, because there's a lot of people listening to this right now that would love to have a business that looks a lot like yours, right? You have, mm. you have freedom, you have autonomy, um, you, have, you have the ability to choose which clients you work with based on who you, you know, like to work with and who can afford to work with you. Desperate, you don't have to spend a ton of money in marketing and you have a full schedule completely. So uh, right. how does one even start into that field? How, how much, like how much did the other things that you do, like, you know, writing the book or working at the companies you worked at before, like how much did that help you in terms of, you know, get, being able to get clients immediately? To get there. Yeah. It's a great question. I have a few thoughts on this uh, that kind of glue together, I think, hopefully consistently. One is there is no doubt that a book helps. Hmm. Um, if I hadn't have written The Art of Community, I wouldn't, it would have been much harder, I think, for me. Um, but one of the reasons where I'm probably a little different to a lot, you know, to some members of your audience is that I'm very much a specialist. 
you know, like I, I do this one thing, I build communities. I help people to build communities. Yeah. There are going to be people listening to this who are PR consultants or marketing consultants or management consultants, where there's a ton of other people who are doing that. I think the key thing is find your specialism, find something that you do really well for a specific group of people. Um, one of the things I learned very early on was don't try to be all things to all people. Cause I've yeah. done like, for example, I've done a whole bunch of crowdfunding with companies and I've done help companies set up remote working environments. And I could have kind of said, Oh, I do remote working and crowdfunding this and the other. And I've tried to dial that back because people want the expert in sure. a specific area. So pick your specialism and identify a market that will hopefully be able to bring enough money in for you. But the other thing I think is, is, um, is people need to know you before they're going to ever pay you, mm. right? So creating a regular drip feed of content, writing blog posts and articles, putting up, putting up on your website, regularly posting out social media, speaking yeah. at events, if you write a book, all of this helps people to socialize you and what you do and the awareness of you. Because at that point, they're going to be much more likely to inquire about, about, um, about retaining you or hiring you yeah. if they already know that you're, that you're the right kind of person. And when you work with people, make sure you get good testimonials and endorsements. And a lot of people, you, a lot of clients I've worked with, they're usually pretty happy to provide this. And you put it on your website, you know, because people, that, people put a lot of stock in referrals. It's the reason why we look at Amazon reviews before we buy something. Yeah. Is that it, 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 it reduces the social, uh, it reduces the risk sure. from a social perspective. So I think that's really important. But the other thing that I really learned was be clear in the product that you're selling. Like for many years, I was just on retainer and I re quite recently switched it to more of a, we, we, we start with this program. It's a fixed amount of money. It's a fixed set of deliverables. This is what you get because then you can deliver a really solid amount of value. You can deliver solid training. You can, it's a fixed fee. The, a lot of the, uh, the, of the simplicity is applied to the sale and the expectations around the sale. Because if it's too, if your offering is too complicated, and a lot of consultants I think are too complicated in this regard, people won't be able to wrap their heads around. Well, is this going to cost me ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars? I don't know if it's on retainer, but you know if you've got a prop product, oh, okay, that's going to cost thirty grand or forty grand or sixty grand or whatever you want to sell it for. So, yeah, right, right. So now coming into this part of your career, Jono, I know that you've written another book. So can you talk to us about the book that you have right now and why it's important for people to have? Yeah. So I wrote this book for a very specific reason. And that is that I am firmly of the view and based upon all the data that I've seen, that the future of how businesses operate is going to be driven by communities and underlined by communities. And what I mean by this is in the last 10 years or so, there's been an enormous set of community success stories. We've seen Salesforce, SAP, Sephora build communities of over a million members who get together to provide support and guidance and run events. We've seen, you know, Harley Davidson set up 1,700 local groups around the world. Um, you've, there's uh, examples such as Hit Record, which is created by Joseph Gordon Levitt, the Emmy Award winning actor who's actually contributed content for, to, to my new book. Uh, which brings artists together, many of which of those productions have been showcased at Sundance. This is a consistent thing that we're seeing, more and more community success stories. And part of the reason for this is that technology is becoming more widely available and cheaper. The cost of internet access is, for example, in India is significantly cheaper than in, in the, U, the UK and the US. And young people are growing up, Such, I mean, we all, everybody talks about millennials, but beyond that, uh, people are growing up in socially connected technology. Everyone's walking around with a communicator in their pocket. 
So the relationship between people and organizations and brands is changing. And mm -hmm. the and so there's more of a demand than ever for communities. The tricky thing is that the term community is a bit kind of abstract and it means sure, different yeah. things to different people. So this is why I wrote People Powered. This is a book that you can buy. It's a business book. It's 280 pages. So it's a relatively short read. It covers one, the, the, the opportunity here, like what communities do, why they're valuable, how you can have a better relationship with your customers, improved feedback, refine your products and services. That's the first piece. The second piece is that it walks through a consistent approach for how you build out a community. It's actually the approach that I use with most of my clients um, from defining the value and the mission right down to defining your objectives and your tactics and how you structure the community life cycle and you know, success criteria and all these different pieces. But then the third piece is, now how do you bake all of that into a business? How do you hire the right people? What do the maturity models look like? Yeah. Um, what are the... Pot, the potholes in the road that you need to avoid. So it provides a, a, a relatively general purpose, but very detailed and, and um, consistent framework for how you go about harnessing that value. And I wrote it because a lot of companies were reaching out to me, particularly people who were new to communities and saying, this is interesting, but I just don't know how to get started. And that would always start out with a conversation with me as a consultant. Right. And I realized this is not going to scale. Even if I hire a hundred people, it's not going to scale. There needs to be a book out there that helps with this. Yeah, that's amazing, man. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this question. It's a staple question that I ask everybody on the show. And with your experience, your knowledge, the uh, the things that you bring to the table in, in, in that realm, but also the connections that you have and how much your network has supported you, I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important, Jono? And why do you believe that? That is such a fabulous question. This is probably an unsatisfying answer. Um, <laughs> Are you going to say both? <laughs> I, I think it is actually going to be, I think it's going to be both. But to me, I think people do both for the wrong reasons. Um, that we've all met people who go out there and they try to be the Uber networker and they try to get to know everybody. And a lot of these people are pretty vapid and transparent and obvious in how they're doing it. I meet people like this every day where it's clear that they they're not actually interested in building a relationship. They're interested in what they can get out of me. Yeah. And I'm just not interested in being around people like that. Right. Uh, and I exactly. don't want to be that person. And also there's people who, who um, want to acquire information and knowledge for the sake of being able to seem like the smartest person in the room. I always remember Peter Diamandis, who uh, founded XPRIZE, once said to me, it's not about having all the answers. It's about putting the right answers into a form that people can easily use and consume. Mm. Um, so to me, I've, you know, you meet these people and they're, they're, they can wow you with their academic data and background and every conceivable detail. It's sure. like, but they can't operate in a There's no practical way. Yeah, application. Right. right, right, right. So to me, I'd rather be, I'd rather be uh, more authentic and stupider <laughs> yeah. and you know i i think that to me is is the, is the right approach like try to be good but then build real relationships not it's the sure. quality over quantity yeah yeah that, that's the main thing for me man is i'm always talking about you got to have that like main you got to maintain the minimum level of competency at least you can't just <laughs> you can't just show up in these like crazy networks of people and be horrible at what you do and be taken seriously right like you have, right that, like that should be like a prerequisite right like you you should be good at what you do or at least competent and ambitious enough to learn from the people that you can put around you. Yeah. Catch up to them. Right. I um, totally agree with you. But, yeah. But yeah. Ultimately though, I mean, you gotta, you gotta know the right people too. 
Well, and the, the thing is, that's one of the things that I, I, I didn't really realize would be as much of a boon in consulting is I learn so much from my clients. Uh, and often it's, you know, as a consultant, you have, you have influence, but you have no power. So part of it is how do you get your um, recommendations and agenda through so true, when, yeah. when you have no actual power? Um, and and it's, learned, it's taught me a lot about crafting messages and shaping those messages and applying them to different audiences. So it's not just, you know, I've learned things about how to build great communities from my, my clients because they're often doing really interesting things that I've not seen or tried before. But a lot of it is just human-to-human -human interaction yeah. and how to optimize it. So, What have been some of the times, or can you remember any times, where you have tried to help somebody, they're paying you for consulting, and they're just not doing the things that you asked them to do? Have, have, do you have any like specific examples of maybe something that you tried or did to get them to implement the things that you're talking about? Just coming from a coach consultant, you know, I find sometimes you know, it can be frustrating when you're working with people and they, they want the information that you have and you give it to them and then they just don't even do it. You got to meet me halfway, man. I'm not going to do it for you. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, one of the things I actually have in my statement of work that I sent to new clients is, is a consultant requirement section that mm. says, um, you know, this is what I need from you. Um, yeah. and, and, and I walk through it with them. Um, but I'm fairly upfront with them. Um, and I'll say, if I don't feel like I'm offering you value, then I'm going to quit. Okay. Like I fired four or five clients because, um, in fact, I did this last week, um, where this client, we were having the same conversation every week and, right. and they were, exactly. and, the, and they wanted to do the right things. But the, what I was identifying was the, there was a, there was an executive blocker, um, was stopping this project moving forward. So we had a very clear plan. Lots of, um, everything was defined. Everything was assigned. We had owners, we had you know, people who can be involved in the work, all the success criteria is defined, but the plan was not getting executed. And the reason why is because the executive team had not prioritized it within the scheme of other things. And I was saying to the executive team, you know, you need, to, it might not be this entire plan that we have right now. It might mean to slow it down and, and stretch it out so you can do fewer things for, for over a long period of time, but we need to have an answer to this, this issue. And ultimately they never really wanted to commit to any kind of answer. So I was pulling in my retainer and having the same conversation every week. And I said, I don't think I'm offering value. We're going to have to wrap up. Um, so what I try to do is look at what are the, what are the first principles of what's causing the issue? Is yeah. it that someone doesn't understand the guidance? Is it that they don't buy it? Um, is it that there's something outside of their control and try to work around all of those things. But I think once you've tried every conceivable option, sometimes it is just like, they're just not, they can't action it. And at that point, it's in your best interest as a consultant or a coach to just step away. Yeah, so true. So true. Well, Jono, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. I know that we're yeah. I'm here. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, Travis. It's been yeah, of course, a blast. Of so, so real quick, um, if you could leave the audience with one thing around relationship building, community building, networking, how to cultivate connections the right way, if you could leave them with just like one thing to think about and marinate about throughout the rest of the day, what would that be? The thing that I've learned the most and i think that is the most empowering thing for me and i continue to try to do this is to look at everything that you're doing as a mini project that evolves it's a it's a it's it, everything starts out as raw clay that you're going to shape into a beautiful pot right so i'll give you an example imagine you're learning how to do online advertising right yeah. um there's one skill 
start with a couple of ads that you put out there, see how well they perform, identify, well, we can refine these pieces of the funnel. So we'll try these other ads and we'll refine that. And each time experiment, try, experiment, try, and learn from the things that you see. I think when we, when we look at it through that mindset, we're able to not just learn and grow and get better, but we're able to see our own progress and track that progress. I think that's one thing that's really important. And I think the other element to this is always just taking a stoic approach is saying, I'm not perfect. Um, this is an ongoing journey. And I think a lot of consultants wrestle with this. They, 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 they feel like they need to appear perfect to their clients. I think being upfront and saying, I'm in the process of learning and I'm in the process of getting better. So I think that regular look at yourself as a project that's always evolving I think that will a make the future seem like a more malleable place that you can influence, but also it just sets the expectation that you don't have to be perfect. And then you don't get wrapped up in circles about the fact that you're not perfect because you're a human being. So good, man. I, I really encourage anybody listening to this to go check out some more of Jono's stuff. If they were to do that, Jono, what would be the best place for them to go connect with you? Yeah, probably the best place to start is my website, which is johnobacon.com, J-O-N-O, bacon, like the delicious breakfast meat, um, .com. And then People Powered is available on Amazon and all good bookshops and probably some bad ones as well. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So go uh, support Jono and learn a thing or two about what he's got going on and pick up a copy of People Powered today. As you guys know, here on the show, I always recommend to pick up our book recommendations right when you're listening to it or else you're going to forget. You're just going to forget. So go pick it up right now. People Powered um, in a bookstore near you or on Amazon just to make it easier. Um, And then head over to johnobacon.com. That's J-O-N-O bacon.com to learn about everything else that Jono has going on. Really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Had a yeah, thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Have a good week. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls. There's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to BYNInnerCircle.com to jump in. That's BYNInnerCircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. See you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.